Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so excited to have this author on the podcast this week. I have yet to ever have the chance to speak with her. This is her debut novel. It was so hauntingly good. That's the best way that I can describe it, although I will go into more detail as we chat. But it was just the perfect fall read um, that just kept me turning the pages all night long. So I am so happy to welcome Jacqueline Bublitz today. How are you, Jacqueline? Morena, good morning from New Zealand. (laughs) I'm really good, thank you. I'm really excited uh, to be here. Um, And I've had a coffee, so it's morning over here, and I'm, I'm ready to chat. I'm so happy. I was, we were just chatting before you're my second Australian author, which I love. And there is definitely logistics that have to happen (laughs) to align people awake and alive and (laughs) especially, yeah, like actually functioning. Um, I think especially right now, because we're all, so we've just come into spring, you've gone into fall. Yeah. And so everybody's um, time zones are changing like this week, last week. uh, Like I can barely keep track of um where I am half the time so right so that so I said like this is the perfect fall read but yet you're in spring but for us like we're in the time where we're just seeking out like suspense thriller like spooky reads it's dark spooky and, season yes yeah. spooky season but it's so. my favorite it's my favorite <laughs> season like we would say autumn um but um obviously we we have we understand fall as well. Um, it, that is my favorite season, but I am excited over here to be uh, on the verge of summer. I'm, I'm yeah. ready for some sunshine. Yes. I See, I'm jealous. I'm so <laughs> proud. Although it's still, it's okay. I, we've had some warm days, but we just know we're going into the winter doldrum soon oh it's coming well I um I don't mean to um for anybody who wants to hold it off for a bit like I looked at the temperatures I'm flying out to New York uh or going to plan on Saturday and I had packed my best kind of like city coats and my knee-high boots and these things that I haven't I don't haven't had a chance to wear because I've been sort of housebound writing all of our winter and then I looked at the temperature and it's like 70 degrees yeah (laughs) I was like Oh no, but I'm still, I'm, I've left it all in my suitcase. I'm like, I'm just yeah. gonna, I was can, ready for the skating rink in the, no, it's not happening. It can, well, it could change on a dime. So keep your bags oh, packed okay. with those things. Okay. But yes, yeah. it has been like, there's been some freakish, which we don't complain about because mm. as soon as we're in it, like it's yeah. freezing and snowing and everything, which, you know, yeah, I appreciate but, that. I had a, I had a Michigan winter when I was a teenager. And so I appreciate that actually snow is fun for about 22 minutes. And, and, it's not and then fun you're like, please months. stop. Yeah. You're yeah. like, please stop. Please stop. So, okay. So <laughs> this book, like I said, I have so many thoughts on this book. And once we get to that point in our conversation, I'll, I'll talk more about it. But this is your debut novel. But like you mentioned before, there's been life. You've done things that have sort of backboned this novel. So give us sort of the the Jacqueline Bublitz journey to before you knew my name. <laughs> sure. So I wasn't doing anything um, professionally um, that's connected to writing, um, nor was I studying. Um, So I sort of, it may seem like I've appeared sort of fully formed on the scene, like some kind of Athena from the forehead of, you know, but I have always been a reader and I've always been um, a bit of a storyteller, which I think I inherited from my dad. Uh, But I never put anything down on paper. It was, um, I think that comes from, um, over the years, you know, being a voracious reader and thinking, 
I could never do that. Like my favorite books, um, I could never be as good as those authors. Um, and also I'm really, I think, quite good at um, coming up with scenarios, but still to this day, not so great with plot, um, which helps when you want to write a book. Uh, but back in 2014, uh, something happened that in, that um, a real life um a true crime case happened on my street in Melbourne where I was living and uh, I couldn't let uh, this story that sort of bubbled up out of this tragedy couldn't let that go and around about the same time or just before a friend had sort of told me off and said you you've got this um talent for you know like you're good with words you should be doing something about it and they sort of his sort of tough love approach um and this um story um that that came from um, what had happened in 2014. They sort of merged into me, uh, going, you know what? I'm going to pack my bags. It's a bit dramatic. There's a little bit more. I mean, maybe there really isn't. Maybe I just like woke up, I think, and went, you know what? I'm going to go to New York, <laughs> and I'm going to like I'm going to write this story, and I'm going to uh, live up to my friend Michael's kind of um, idea of me. I, I call him my best. Uh, like Beth from Little Women, who's like, you're not yeah. a great, when Joe's like, I'm not a great writer. And she's like, but you yeah. will be. Um, and so he's my Beth. And that's really the sort of least likely, but true origin story of how I, I came to um, start writing this novel. And then there's like from 2014 to 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 when it all um, started to happen right before the pandemic. Um, there's, there's a lot in there that is more about that trajectory of working on the story getting lots of rejections uh dusting myself off trying again um and then um once it did happen it happened like really quickly okay now I have a lot of questions <laughs> yeah, so, there's, there's a lot in there and I find I mean, you like, gave me a lot I? of yeah you gave me a lot of content that I would like to dissect so first <laughs> can you tell us it's so interesting because, like I said, <clears throat> when we were chatting before we went to record, I feel like this book will fulfill people's needs if they're looking for suspense, if they're looking for drama, if you're a true crime fan. Um, it was not your typical like like psychological thriller in the way that it was like a slower burn and it didn't feel like all of the the thrills were thrown at you at once. Like you didn't know if like you didn't know if what you're reading was chilling or not until after you would mm. read a section and be like, Oh, that's like totally creepy or, you know, <laughs> whatever. So, but, and, and I mean that in all the best ways, but um, the, the true crime situation that happened on your street, like what, inspiration did you pull from that was that yeah. like a murder like I need true it crime was. facts here and Jacqueline because I'm a true crime oh, junkie <laughs> oh yeah me me too and it's and it's much it's, um, worse for one of a better uh, word these yeah, days yeah um, with yeah with my new accidental crime writer career um <laughs> so this is a, like it's an awful case and and I never want to exploit it but a, a young woman um her, her name was Renee Lau and she was uh, walking to work and she worked at a bakery. So she was walking mm -hmm. to work in the early hours of the morning in Melbourne on a very busy thoroughfare. Um, I lived in an apartment um, on this busy like main main road into the central business district. So she she was walking a, a route that I would have, um, a route route that I would have walked many, many times, not always sober, you know, coming home from, you know, a bar or, you know, the, 
you know, or going to work myself. Um, and she was chased into um, the local park, the Botanic Gardens, um, and murdered, like brutally assaulted and, and murdered um, at about 5.30 in the morning. And then Sunday morning, a jogger was running uh, the, the track that we would, um, that you know, the most Melburnians who, who live locally would run uh, the tan. And uh, a jogger was running the tan early hours, found her body. And so that morning, I think I just like learned about the crime on uh, Twitter, as, as you, you know, oh, wow. get so much information yeah. from Twitter. Um, and as sort of the details were sort of unfolding, I couldn't stop thinking not only about poor Renee, uh, but about this this jogger, this person who um, would have, you know, innocently or, you know, maybe they're just trying like, I'm going to get up early on a Sunday morning yeah. and run off my hangover. I'm, I'm surmising. I don't know anything about them, but that would have been me. Um, and they came across her body and it would have been such a traumatic thing. And so I was, I really sat with um, thinking about both of you know I didn't know either of these people but sitting like thinking about both of them where quite often um over the over the years in Melbourne there'd been a few high profile cases like and much higher profile than what Renee's case uh, went on to be as well she was a what we would call a foreign national she was from Hong Kong and um she didn't get as much media as perhaps um some other um crimes or as much attention as some other crimes got for better and for worse I suppose um yeah. in terms of um how much certain um aspects of those kinds of crimes can be exploited but yeah I just I couldn't stop thinking about her uh, I couldn't stop thinking about this you know unknown jogger and I did a bit of research into people who find um bodies um of you know, victims of crime is quite specific. Yeah. So it took me, a, you can find a lot about people, you're like, oh, I stumbled across, which would be awful in and of itself. Like yes. I came into the room and my grandpa had passed away, that kind of thing, awful, terrible stuff, but not quite what I was looking for. And so I only ever found like one, there's an old, uh, the UK Guardian, old article, like really like archived. And it, there was a, a gentleman in this, in this article who had found uh, a young woman's body and it turned out that she was part of a serial killer, um, serial killer uh, case and he like every year would go back on the anniversary of finding her body and lay flowers and he was really impacted by it and I was like see I knew that I knew that some people would um or I could imagine or empathize that you would feel this like intimate connection but also mm -hmm. being really removed and so that there was my premise like what would it be what would the connection be like between a, a young murder victim and the person who finds her body and um before you, name, before you knew my name, God, it was a mouthful, uh, grew out of that. I mean, that is, I feel like we hear so much about things like that today, which is so scary and, and unfortunate, like, and, you know, why I feel like, you know, think about how many like true crime podcasts there are or like books that come out and, you know, you never, like you say, want to exploit, but I also think it brings awareness to things and, you know, mm -hmm. there's billions and trillions of cases like that are on like a smaller scale, even though like immensely devastating, but that don't get any sort of national, you know, coverage. Yeah, and I I became really, and I think, I mean, it's that there's a through line in the, in the book, Ruby, though it's not a spoiler, it's Ruby who finds the body. She starts to learn as I was learning um, about 
why like who gets attention who makes the front pages not just you know because I was living so I'm a Kiwi by birth but I've lived most of my adult life in in Australia and you know there are American cases that make it to our media and they like you know if, if something for example if tomorrow they were to um have solved the John Bonet Ramsey case like that would that would lead the news well maybe not lead the news but maybe it even would, yeah. it would lead the news like here as well and so I, I really haven't had this opportunity to learn about things like you know the politics of murder the by the implicit bias um those kinds of things and it was fascinating and devastating and then really tricky to still make a book um entertaining <laughs> like for right. want of a better you know so right. like, come with me and, and I'm not gonna like I, I have said before you like I didn't I don't want to come in um holding up a sign like you know saying right. here are, here are my politics <laughs> but actually um there's a, a thread of righteous anger and frustration through through the book as well as some uh, as well as some really sweet moments <laughs> no there's definitely yes that that is you know a big part of it and you have these two women um ruby and alice and and i just loved that you made alice sort of the the storyteller from looking from the outside and but yet there's so many other characters that make up like you said there's sweet moments there's friendships there's so much more you know there's so much life to it beyond just this major tragedy for alice and for ruby yeah, it was, and I and I talk about this comfortably now. It's there's, there's enough distance, but my dad died uh, in September of 2019, and I had been helped that. I'm, thank you. I'm I had sorry. been. <laughs> thank you. This just um, took I'm a turn, so, Jacqueline. No, but it's it. Like I said, like I can talk about my dad, Johnny B. He was the greatest storyteller. Aww. He was, and he was 88 years old. So I'm 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 resigned to the fact that you know he was gonna like it was gonna happen at some point. It was way too soon for me, but. Um, that's that's another story but he I had the privilege of looking after him from well helping to look after him from um January of 2019 through to September when he passed and he passed at home with us it was like incredibly fortunate that it wasn't a year later with with, you know everything that people have been through to my heart that's when I'm like oh my heart goes out to people who didn't get to do what I did Mm -hmm. um despite it being at times quite traumatic um, but the point of bringing that up is I had had um, edits of what was going to become. It wasn't called Before You Knew My Name then. And I had had some really close calls with agents and then a few rejections. Um, and one agent in particular uh, had said, it's just not emotional enough. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm like the most emotional person. Like, I'll just cry telling you my story now. Um, <laughs> but so I kind of had to sit with that and then I, I put you know, I, I worked on it somewhat while, while dad was sick. Um, but, you know, once he died, I went back to the book um, and I re, well, I edited it. I'm a natural editor, probably more than a writer. And I didn't edit um, from September to New Year's Eve when I sent it out to, to my now agent, Cara. And it was filled with this new understanding of like the, um, the you know, that connection, the life and death, that sort of two sides of the same coin. I mean, what actually really obvious stuff in some ways, but I don't think, and I don't think it's healthy to walk around sort of, you know, living with this constant notion of death on your shoulder. But when it when it does happen, um, and, and the way it happened for me, it was the first person that I'd, you know, like had that 
that level of connection to like a, my dad um, had passed away. I came back and I realized that this book wasn't just a, it wasn't just about a murder. It wasn't just about death. It was about life. And it was about learning to live with, you know, this uh, learning to live with death um, and not having it take over. So death club, had existed in some form. This is the group of people in the book that uh, Ruby meets and they help her work through her trauma after finding the body. And they really came to life after my dad's passing because they were my friends. <laughs> they became my friends. They were how I worked out my grief for losing dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never wanted to, because um, my dad wouldn't have wanted that. I never wanted to be swallowed by it. I wanted to understand it. Um, and, yeah, and not be sort of overwhelmed by it. So that is why the book has, you know, I think it maybe takes a sort of more hopeful turn. And that's yeah. all that, that's all owed to my dad. Oh, I love that now. The Death Club has a spe- – I mean, I loved that sort of whole entire group, and, and I definitely picked up on that when I was reading it because they were, you know, supportive. Um, but then also, aside from this, like, unsolved, you know – murder and 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 finding this body they they both came to new york for different reasons and so then you have to sort of catalog the their their journeys before this Mm -hmm. this tragedy which to me sort of like brought the book to a boil with the suspense and stuff because it was it wasn't clean it wasn't there was gritty stuff there so Mm -hmm. i i felt like that's why this book would appeal to so many people like looking yes oh my gosh I I it will my question (laughs) to you too I want to just go back because I we got on a tangent which is fine um (laughs) but when you decided after um your friend had had said to you you know you should do this and you had the inspiration and so you come to New York and then what was that like like what did you just like tell us how that sort of unfolded yeah well I was um I was really lucky just um, to set the scene that in in Australia they have a um, a system like in place where if you've worked ten years uh, for a company they actually pay you three months salary to leave. So when you leave, it's called long service leave, and it's what? I know I can see your your face. I'm like, like I know. Hello. <laughs> oh no, and and so you, I was able to take um, essentially a career break and have it be um, like yeah still be paid for the like I ended up being there for like five or six months and I ended up putting myself into a lot of debt but that's how I was because I often wonder when people talk about doing these big things like I did I'm like well how did you like let's be yeah. real like how did you afford it it's not easy so I it was a, a system long servicely that I could most people would use it for you know maybe like helping to like a mortgage or something and I was like you know what I'm just gonna much like Ruby I think there's even a line in there throw everything up in the air and see where see where it lands and I'm really fortunate and I'm, I'm never um never gonna not be grateful um for um for that boost um but New York was I mean New York had been my dream city since I was like a little girl like I've, mm-hmm. I've talked about this like I was absolutely obsessed with Annie the musical yeah um, most of which is not well the the movie most of which is not actually filmed in New York but they do go to Radio City Music Hall mm-hmm. and they will talk about the Chrysler building which anyone when you read the book you'll see there's a nice little theme about the Chrysler building that comes from Annie um, um I had always wanted to live there I'd only been able to visit and I had I knew I wanted to set this book in a in a city 
or in a, in a place that had um, its own personality uh, that could kind of become this third exterior character for these two really interior sort of navel-gazing Ruby and Alice. Um, but I loved it, and I also found it like the hardest, um, it was one of the hardest experiences of my life. I knew a, I knew a couple of people, and I have lived in Michigan um, in, in my teens on and off, and so I, I knew people... Um, you know, in the same time zone, I think the same time zone, you know, like close by. I didn't really have any friends. I didn't have anybody waiting for this book. So there had to be a lot of self-motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really helped that I lost myself a little bit there as well as, so I would have a brilliant sort of like Alice, so the, the, Alice and Ruby have quite different experiences of New York. And that's, um, well, there's no, well, it's all fiction. There's me in there. Like I would have this amazing day where I, you know, wander the streets and then go and see a Broadway show and, or just be like overwhelmed by some, you know, some small lovely thing that could only happen in, in New York City, like wandering through a film set or something like, ah, there's Liam Neeson or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then other times trying to order like a breakfast and having my accent which I don't think is particularly, um, or who nobody does, I suppose, think it's strong, but not being understood even when I'm, you know, ordering a bagel and coffee or for just not talking to anyone in that day um, other than when I was, you know, being misunderstood sort of ordering my breakfast. And yeah. so that came, that sort of loneliness um, came through as well. And I really wanted to honour that in the book. Um, I didn't want New York to be... Uh, I don't don't claim to be an expert on New York City, uh, but I wanted to talk about in the book or represent how I suppose this like really shiny, but like the duality piece again, like it has this really kind of this underside. I know I've seen some uh, copy about the book, like the underbelly. I don't know about the underbelly underbelly of New York, but certainly it's dealing with a um, with a a brutal crime um, and. I never had any like really, really dark moments there, but I had some really um, lonely moments in New York. Uh, but I still, oh, you know, on the whole, I loved it. Yeah. I can't wait to get back. I mean, it is, it's an experience. It's, <laughs> it is, you know, I, I can see exactly what you're saying though. Like people who I, it's totally admirable, but like people who just up and have no, you know, they're just like, I'm just going. Like that's what, you know, my destiny is calling me to go there. And it's, you know, it's a bazillion people, like you're just another person there, like, unless you sort of have that sort of, well, I could see like the lonely feeling and, and, you know, it's expensive. And so yeah, expensive. And you know, (laughs) it's like, but people going for certain jobs, there's a billion of those people. So it's like, how do you define yourself? And, and but again, it's like a magical, you know, there's you, you, when you're there, it's just it. You can't help but like take in the energy, and you know you're walking somewhere and you feel one way, one way, and then you you know walk three blocks and you're in a completely different place, and you're like, oh my gosh! Yeah. So it's just yeah. It's- I think it's a city, <laughs> and I and you know I didn't know where this book was going to be picked up or, or who was going to end up reading it, and I I did think you know what what's a city well where is a place that you know even if you've never been there you're going to recognize something about it from Mm -hmm. um songs film tv or just your own kind of notions of of new york and so yeah favorite city in the world and just so grateful that um 
as a character, New York did all of the things that I hoped, I say she, that I hoped she would. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and, and that you definitely get all of the New York, especially all the scenes where Ruby's going back and like her interactions with people and you can just picture sort of the vibe and then and then when you go at the end I don't want to give spoilers away but no. <laughs> when Alice when Alice is talking and that whole thing and that's when I was like oh my god the pages were flying out of my hands I was Yay. like oh my gosh yeah well I couldn't get back to so I got the book deal came like on the verge of New Zealand going into like a, a really major uh, lockdown yeah. and our borders closing for pretty much two two years and so I couldn't get back to New York to fact check anything to fact check anything and then also my notes uh from that period back in 2015 which is when mm -hmm. I was there uh were in a storage facility in Melbourne because I had when my dad got sick I had just like packed up everything um really quickly and not really thought about oh you know I might need these I mean I have like a I had a hundred notebooks but also I had <laughs> the most I was so nervous about how the accuracy piece or because it was re really just relying on sense memories yeah. of um the city and um thankfully I think I got um most of it um writing from the perspective of someone who's not from New York as in the characters right. was was easier but yeah my biggest fear was going to be, was well, one of them was that someone would read this and go that's not even like it's not even possible that's like not even in New York and I'm like, no <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wait a sec. Well, no. And I think like you said, that was your like memories and, and senses and your perception and everything. And these girls are coming and move it. Like, I think it worked out perfectly. I think it was, I think you, you did a great job. Um. Okay. So then what are you, I'm guessing you're working on something new now. Yes. Very hard. And I, um, I'll be honest that I had um, in the last two years, I've been working on something else. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking. I think it has, I wouldn't be alone. Um, I, I think in saying that it wasn't the most dynamic time creatively for a lot of us the last couple yes. of years. <laughs> and I, that really came through in, um, in what I'd been working on. So I switched to, um, this year, um, not that long ago to the book that will be my second book. Um, I'll be able to hopefully share, um, more details soon, but I'm so excited. It, poured out of me the first draft Amazing. uh like in I'm talking like in weeks like I had heard that um oddly I had read that the Bridges of Medicine County was written in nine days and I'm like I can do that so but it the first draft probably came out in like three weeks I and mean, the first draft is nonsense let's be clear of this book but what I can say is that it is set a year after it's not a sequel in any way uh, but it shares the same DNA as mm -hmm. um before you knew my name it's set on well our main character Ruth that lives on the upper west side around the corner from where Alice would have lived um and it is really I'm really been it's a study of like victimology and um yeah who, like how um once again you know like whose stories get told um when they've got these you know terrible crimes and then you know Dharma gets a whole show made about him um yeah. but like whose stories are not getting whose stories are not getting told so that's as much as I'll say for now um, but I'm super excited also a little bit like wired and stressed because I, I need to deliver um the latest draft um in December um but yay stay tuned I'm oh my I'm gosh really that's that sounds that sounds amazing. I can't wait for that. Now you're saying like you love true crime things too. Like, what are some of your favorite like 
shows, podcasts, books? Like, do you have any favorites? Yeah, well, I used to listen to My Favorite Murder. I think mm-hmm. like most, most people yep. um, did. Um, I, I love and they love as well. But, um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, the whole Golden State. <laughs> you were nodding in your face. I read that book in one night and it's not a it's not an easy book to so I stayed I up for like <laughs> four in the morning <laughs> I was like where am I leaving this story I had I knew that you know, so you know I, a lot of people but for anyone who's not familiar with the fact that the author um passed away during the writing of it I knew her backstory I love Peyton Oswald uh, her husband um Michelle's husband so I, I came and I knew the case um but only dimly in the back of my sort of where all your nightmares live yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so I read it in one night because I couldn't leave any of the um it wasn't a point in the narrative where I could leave anybody alone including her and then obviously well not obviously but if people are following um the Golden State Killer case you know, after that uh it was like two weeks after I finished reading it that um the murderer slash everything else that he was every other terrible thing that he is uh he was caught and so then I was just like on an absolute spiral <laughs> for weeks and then I I'm like I had to stop because um you know us us true crime junkies you know citizen detectives once you learn where to go for the awful like true like the gory details like yeah and I'll tell myself, do not go there. But I mean, I, I have to a little bit for my for my book research anyway. But then I'm finding out things that I don't I didn't need to know that. You're like, and I don't <laughs> I don't, I can't sleep. And I live in this like really like upstairs like warehouse apartment, but I'll be like looking in my like cupboards and stuff, like, is someone here? Yeah. Um, I don't know, are they a contortionist? How they've actually gotten under the sink, but <laughs> that that would be my number one um. Uh, kind of I got really obsessed with that and also really heavily influenced by how she Michelle McNamara was able to tell a story that that centered the victims uh in a way that I um because I ended up watching the documentary when that was released as well and and there was and that was hard to sit with these victims of what is now known as the Golden State um, killer um to sit with them but it it didn't exploit them in any way, but it didn't shy away from like the brutality of his, his crimes either. So yeah, real, um, that's my fave. Yeah, that one was so good. I listened to that, but like, I, I mean, it was a long listen, but I had <laughs> to do it in tidbits because yeah, just the, the telling of like, you know, what he did and outside the slider door, like, and then uh-huh. this is what I'm saying is like true crime <laughs> yeah. is like a slow torture yet. Like we keep coming back. Like, I don't like, we just finished watching the watcher, which Ooh, is yes. not like killing in any way, but totally beyond creepy. And then I had like a nightmare after like episode three and I'm like, and it's like, that would be like one of my worst, like, fe- like somebody watching creepily. Yeah. Like a stalker. No. Um, But yet I had to figure out what I had to watch the whole thing. And then I went on like a full spiral Googling because I needed to know the I didn't want to Google anything before and find Mm -hmm. things out. And then I'm like looking at the house. And so, yeah, it's like one of those things I'm like, but you it's so interesting because and, and definitely with Michelle McNamara, like that was so unfortunate in the way that like she did all this work mm. and couldn't see reap those benefits not only of like this book and 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 the story being told but then like actually this crime being solved like this yeah. justice coming like that and so that was 
but what a way to play out that was really yeah it what was, a legacy that she yes. what a legacy that she's left but I haven't watched um the watcher yet but I heard that everybody's angry at the ending and I'm a bit confused. Yeah. I don't want to google anything but then I'm like well if it's a real life case then how can you be angry at the ending so right I, I was fine with the ending um I felt like it left it open for interpretation obviously there was like dramatic parts in it that they did for the show but it did have like interesting things that you could google I wasn't mad at it I just was like okay and (laughs) then I felt like tweeting about it no I wasn't tweeting about it because I just (laughs) it kept up to me I it did its job I thought it was just so creepy and the way that and and Naomi Watts was like really good in it and Mm. the husband and so it's worth a watch Okay, I've, yeah. I still haven't watched. So the other one I loved the first season of Mindhunter, and I'm obsessed with like criminal profiling and um, you know, and so Mindhunter I binged that when it first came out, and for some reason I haven't been able to sit down and watch the second season. I don't, and I cannot. I don't know what oh. stops me. Maybe, maybe I'm just like saving it for when I don't, when I'm not working. Like it just especially since I'm you know in a really short time frame working on this um second book I nearly said the name I don't know I even know if <gasps> I'm, I'm probably Mike, allowed you to, probably, I don't oh. know I don't know yet I have to like <laughs> we don't um, want to leak anything <laughs> um I don't know I'm so new at this I don't know how like I don't even know if that's a good or bad thing to like you know share the name but um yeah, there's so much that I'm like putting off to watch, but most of it's like happy stuff, like Abbott Elementary. I'm like, yep, okay, that's yes. That's I feel like the... you need a cleanse. You can't. <laughs> yeah. You can't have all dark because then you'll just have yeah, like nightmares every night. You need to have something oh. to offset the offset the darkness. The um, research that I've been doing like really quickly in the last few weeks, especially um, uh, in particular, has been about like women who have been. Um, uh, accused, whether credibly or not, of sort of assisting their partners in in these murders, like murder. like, yeah, like procuring, which is such a terrible way to phrase it, but like procuring <laughs> victims for their partners and stuff. So I'm like, okay, how much the same as when I started research for before you knew my name? Like it's quite specific. So how am I going to find this? And then when you find, like, I'll just say, I think they're called the Ken and Barbie Killers. And I, the other night I was like, what am I doing to myself? I quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to write romance, which is actually probably harder uh, because it's like <laughs> for my, and like, Barbie my, killers. Yeah. I feel like I've, yeah. re- I've read things yeah, about you that. Do, just not. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I don't know. Okay. I, I really fascinating. And yes. also the um, justice system and, and how it views, because in many ways, like women are not you know not believed but then at the same time there's quite not quite a few but the women that I've encountered they've had really lenient um sentences and like hold on a minute you were like just because you didn't like hold the axe or whatever you were like fully involved so that's another that's maybe not a tip for people because it's like grim um but yeah the Ken and Barbie killers yay no sleep that night okay oh my gosh I can't wait for this book and will this be next year or what's your the projected I think so what's next year's 2023 is isn't it what even is time at the moment I so I think it'll be start of 2024 so basically okay. just In over like a, a year away okay yeah. perfect G- given that so before you knew my name's official release date is um when well, in the states is um uh, November 1st next uh, Tuesday no yes yeah, yeah, yeah yes oh my god yes <laughs> it's next Tuesday Halloween's Monday it is yeah. next Tuesday which is amazing yay Terrifying. 
Nope, it's gonna it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> everyone's gonna everyone's gonna read it. Um, okay, now it's time for Jacqueline Sheikless. So she's had time to sit with these questions. She's had a couple yes, coffee. Thank you. <laughs> okay, here we go. What three celebrities, authors, figures, living or dead, would you want to have a book club with? Yep. So oh, I love this one, and I had to like <laughs> apologize to certain like imaginary friends of mine. <laughs> So you need to like go off the list. But so, I mean, number one, I think probably a lot of people would say Oprah and I'm going to say Oprah as well for my book club, uh, just because she, I mean, she knows books, but also imagine when it was her turn to host. <laughs> so, yes. can, we, can we go to your beautiful house in California or like, can we, you know, she's the like, so Oprah for her uh, wow. because she's Oprah and her hosting abilities. Um and the second person that came to mind, and maybe because I've been watching a lot of his um, videos the last couple of, well, the last day or two, is Leslie Jordan, who just passed away. I, um, I, I just, oh, I just loved him. And I and I was talking with a friend, and we were both saying, um, like an, a person I know I was talking to, and <laughs> we were both saying that we felt like he was our friend. And we don't normally feel that way about, you know, celebrities or people we've, we've never met, but I felt like a, like a, we'd lost a friend and so I was thinking like so in honor of Leslie um like imagine if he didn't like the book like how funny he would be so <laughs> if he funny. didn't like the book so I would so Oprah and Leslie um and then uh, just because I love him so much and not really any other reason is Josh Charles um so that when we weren't talking so he the actor who was in many things including the good wife which is my favorite show oh Josh time. Charles yeah Josh Charles so yes. Josh Josh oh, I love the him. Death- well, so Josh from the Death Club is named after Josh Charles. Again, for no other reason than I love him. Yes. <laughs> I just, Will from The Good Wife is one of my favorite, like, he's my, like, one of my favorite characters. And so I would have Josh Charles. He's married to a writer. So, and he once said on Twitter something really nice about my work that he'll never remember, but I, you know, basically tucked up in my heart forever. Um, and then I could also just during breaks from talking about the book I could grill him about the good wife basically (laughs) I love that do you know what I the first time I ever saw Josh Charles and I was like oh my god he's just I just loved him was he was in the movie I don't know if you saw don't tell mom the babysitter's dad the people love that that comes up all the time you've never watched it never seen it (gasps) I don't know if it Normally we have the same cultural review. Your face is hilarious. Normally we have the same cultural references here in in New Zealand and Australia to the US, um, if not sort of heightened in a way because we we have sort of less like less coming to us, but sort of pay more attention to it. And I have never. So I'm going to put that on my like finish the edits of book two, and I'm going to put that on my list because so many people love him from that. I was Dead Poets Society for me, but. Um, oh yeah oh my god dead poets say you yeah but, but it's the no, same like it's the same like time he's so cute and dreamy and he was in that movie yeah. oh it was just so good so you have to watch that you definitely do I will okay. thank you I love that I love that book club okay current binge series um so I haven't been able to watch much lately um but the last thing I binged was Yellow Jackets which I am oh. clinically obsessed with and I I'm had- clinically obsessed too yeah, and I managed to wait 
um, I, I must have had my well, I had my head down working on the the, the, the other book that I've now scrapped. Um, so I was able to let that whole ten episode series like oh. like it was all out. So I watched it actually with my mum, and we um, a dear friend of mine um, from high school days is, is Melanie Linsky. So I had this extra kind of connection to oh, your face. Oh my no, I'm I know. I wish people now. could like see my face for all of the things you keep saying. I'm like. <laughs> First of all, she's the star of the show and you're acting so casual. You're like, oh, anyways. <laughs> no, she's remarkable and I'm so proud of her. And I will actually get emotional about it because she's just done so well. And we, we haven't seen each other in a while, but we seem to like, we seem to sort of be in the same place at really random times. Um, and she was the reason I started watching the show. And then I'm like, wow it's extra it's extraordinary from the pilot right it's the most realized so like it's the most realized from the beginning so I'm gonna have trouble with season two because I'm not gonna be able to wait uh, no. but it's gonna be episodic is that what they call it like episodic yes it's not coming out at once and so I'm very like almost like apprehensive about that I know they're I mean they're filming at the moment right so and she will not um she will not give any spoilers she's um I'll, I'll try my best <laughs> I mean I feel like I just have to have this be over now that you just casually were like oh my high school friend like yeah. well you know it's it's New Zealand it's funny that's like, amazing my, like, people know each other and actually it's like a joke but then someone will say oh do you and I'll be like oh I don't know like our prime minister I don't know Jacinda Ardern but my high school friend is like her right hand person you know, it's just a small it's small yes and yeah and so no she I'm super proud of her anyone who hasn't I don't think there's anyone who hasn't watched Yellow Jackets now, but if it's they haven't, so good. get to it and don't read anything about it. Just watch it. It was like one of the best of I thought of the year. It was so good. I can't wait for season Yay. two. Okay. Last favorite book and current read. Uh, last favorite book it would be Notes on an Execution by, I'm going to pronounce her name, Danya Kukafka. Um, and it's, I feel like it's the like literary big sister of before you knew my name it deals um it deals with um a serial killer who's on death row and and, and the people around him in the uh, I don't know if you know it so the people around him in the lead up to his execution which in and of itself asks you as the reader to to sort of grapple with some you know really sort of interesting moral uh questions around crime and punishment it's just so beautifully written and so victim-centered um and because I did you know get these questions in advance I like I like um there's a I went and looked at how many things I've highlighted in this book and in in the author um Daniel's like letter to the reader she's like average men become interesting when they start hurting women and it is just such a defining wow. average men become interesting when they start hurting women it's such a defining finding sentence I'm so jealous I never wrote it <laughs> myself and I yeah. just want to be like thank you for for articulating that and sort of almost now that's like my lodestar for everything that I'm doing is remembering as she shows with this you know from the one of the characters is, is the, the man Ansel who's on on death row for these murders like he's, he's not necessarily a monster um and sometimes monster is given this that title is given almost like a uh, what would you call it like it's a it's praise in a way um you know like oh it's there you know these Machiavellian like you know these evil men who you know created this in, you know incredible world and got away with so much more actually it's just an average man who yeah 
became interesting i'm using air quotes uh, yeah. because he started like killing women or and you could change that to any sort of minority um, or anybody um yeah. less less powerful than him so yeah that would that's the last book i like truly loved and was really like okay i quit <laughs> i can't do this because this is so good uh, but you know i, I want to thank her for for inspiring me okay that's that was your last book. book what's your current read um, so I mostly, so the one that's on my desk at the moment is A Killer by Design, Murderers, Mindhunters, and My Quest oh. to Decipher, The Criminal Mind. And that's um, Dr. Anne Burgess, who is, uh, I think she's the character's got a different name in, in Mindhunter, but she's the woman, sort of the, the genius behind uh, Holden's kind of, um, like, character and she's the little stats woman um in Mindhunter okay. so it's based on Anne Burgess so she was part of that trio of men um not that Mindhunter like sticks entirely to the to the facts but so this is a book about um really the birth like like Mindhunter the tv show like the birth of criminal profiling the birth of sort of understanding um or attempting to understand um, the minds of serial killers and victimology and I yeah I loved it and I bought it at an airport and I was like reading on a plane like <gasps> so So that's my that's my light reading um yeah yeah those are two those are two very heavy reads yeah I know I know again I'm gonna watch Abbott Elementary when yeah that sounds like a good cleanse I I watched the first episode of that and I cried so I'm like okay well actually someone should have warned me that it's like like really emotional and kind of like heartbreaking as well (laughs) so I don't know maybe if anyone wants to leave like a comment about something like just to, there's not there's you know no heartstrings nothing just like pure like elf or something maybe I'll just watch elf yeah you could do a rewatch yeah <laughs> um okay describe your writing space uh it is really pretty so I live in a, a warehouse um style apartment well, I rent a warehouse style apartment my landlord owns the cafe downstairs um, it's I've got lots of well, normally I have like fresh flowers and, and my kind of work desk when I'm about to um, go traveling so there's no fresh flowers lovely candles and it smells of bacon and coffee from downstairs um, which is really nice but the truth is um, and you can see that I have a bed behind me because my um, my little writing space is in a corner of my room and most of the time my writing space is my bed it's just Love me that. sitting, sitting up and sitting up in bed in some kind of really weird outfit, um, whatever mood I'm in for the day. Uh, so I get dressed for <laughs> for bed, um, and I write from bed, which is like why I need to go and get massages every every few weeks. Yeah, there's not really support, but you're comfortable, no. so yeah. that's fine. Um, name something chic. Uh, something chic. Well, I was thinking someone chic is my six-month-old grand niece or great niece Miller. She is. She comes to visit, and she's so impeccable. She's wearing these gorgeous outfits, and she rocks them. But she's also like really casual about it. Like you know, any six months, <laughs> any six months, yeah. She's absolutely just absolutely beautiful, and uh, her outfits are like you know on point. So props to her mama, Kate. Uh, if I had to choose like a thing not, yeah not, not not miller i would say vintage halston clothing like Ooh. that's what came to mind today like i would give anything to own and i'd wear it to bed <laughs> to yeah. write but like a, a gold lame sort of like caftan mixed with jumpsuits yes. like 
but like proper old school, like 70s, like I was going to go to Studio 54 or something. That is my ultimate timeless. I don't know, some people might not think elegant, like, but I think elegant, like, and playful. I do too. Yeah, thank you. Good. Um, playful and fun. And, and I feel like Beyonce's rocking a bit of that kind of style at the moment. I mean, Beyonce, all hail to the queen um, with her kind of disco era stuff. I'm like, yes. pretty much every outfit she wears, I'm like, please, could I have an entirely <laughs> have different, yeah, and an entirely different body shape too. <laughs> right. To wear that. Well, yeah. everything's, but, yes, custom on her. It looks so yeah, fabulous. Yeah. So I think, well, maybe my answer is Beyonce, but also vintage Halston and my niece Miller. So three things. Miller and Halston. I love it. Those are totally, <laughs> totally chic. Um, do you have a favorite book that you gift? Um, I love giving books, uh, but I tend to sort of, uh, you know, match match the book to the to the person. I think a book that I've given quite a few times um, as a as a gift that would be Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strait. Um, her yeah, her Dear Sugar essays, and there is there's a re-release I think this week or something. So I'm going to be able to pick that up um, when I get to the states. Um, I just love her um, lyricism, but also her her wisdom and um, how you can apply it to to your life. So I've given that to a few people who sort of needed a gentle nudge. Um, yeah. From, yeah. So that, I would say that is a really nice gift to give. I love that book. That's a great gift. Um, if you could have one song as the theme song of your life, what would it be and why? Yeah, I had so much fun with this this morning. Um, and I was watching uh, the new Adele video, I Drink Wine, and I'm like, it yes. probably should just be like that. Um, <laughs> but I, the one that I came up with, and it's my karaoke song as well, so I'd actually be able to sing it, but but badly, is I Have Nothing, Whitney Houston from the Bodyguard oh. soundtrack. Right. So that, you know, that line, you know, I'll never ask for too much, just yes. all that you are and everything that you do. I feel like I apply that to myself, to my writing, to, the, to anyone you know, that I might be enamored of, like it's layered. And also the song is kind of nonsense because it's like, I have nothing if I don't have you, but it's all also like, I'll never change my colors for you. It's like a complete contradiction. Uh, And to belt that out in karaoke, I think that should be my theme song. So I have nothing, Whitney Houston. I'm proud of of that one. (laughs) I love that song. I love that that's your answer. I can't even listen to that song without crying because I feel like she does it. I mean, it's on another planet. It's circulating yeah. in some place in space and it is so amazing. And I think at the beginning of COVID, I watched all of these Whitney Houston like movies, documentaries. And so she has a special place in there. It's just so awful. And so I that never, song, yeah. it makes yeah. me sad because I feel like I don't even That's know. That's who she she's was. Singing, and- like, she's singing about her or something. You know what I mean? I- I do. And I only ever got to see her, and I'm lucky I got to see her in concert in, oh, in Australia. So and it was after, it's after she had lost her voice uh, to to the degree that it was very hard to sing um, a song like that. Uh, but it was also a really special, like everybody in that audience at the stadium was just like loved her. Um, and so it was a sort of lesson in how you, I guess, like take care of your, your heroes, I guess, for want of a better word. Um, like, how you like you have a relationship with them and you can't just be like well you can't sing like that anymore also we're we're not here for you it was like really intimate in in a strange way and it wasn't long after that I think wouldn't have been too long ago that she passed and my um my friends and I we got um the only time I've ever been told off by a neighbor 
um, was living in an apartment in Melbourne and they ended up like leaning out their window or above them one night and they were like, guys, you have to let her go. Oh my <laughs> because gosh. We had, been, we had been playing music for like <laughs> days and days. I think it was like flowers in the house. It was like a temple to to Whitney and it was like and they were so nice about it and I always think of them just going oh no here they go again and it, it was oh like, my god really... I'm obsessed with that story never let her go Blair that stuff until <laughs> yeah I mean they, they I can't like, <laughs> it was probably our singing it was probably me oh in my, my you know so I always think about uh I think about that moment and be like oh yeah that's um we were mourning her again like mm. like we knew her Yes, we did know. Like we grew up with her, so we just knew yeah. the whole thing. Um, okay, uh, must-have beauty item. Um, perfume, which I think is counts as a beauty item, doesn't it? Yes, like, totally. In, yeah. So perfume. I'm. I mean, I'm wearing. I'm wearing some now. Like if I'm going to do like an interview podcast kind of thing, I will like tailor my perfumes uh, to um, the conversation. Even though you don't know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna be able to smell me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, part of the, it's part of the ritual. It's I'm the obsessed. mood. Yeah, when I was young, um, when I was working um, in a what do you would say, a chemist, like a pharmacy, I guess. Yeah, um, pharmacy. Um, and pharmacy. And uh, they, um, somebody gave me a little half tester bottle. It was called Joy, and it was the it was known as the most expensive perfume in the world in the eighties. Like that was the tagline. Like no shame, the most expensive perfume in the world. And it was like jasmine and roses. And that was at 16, 15, 16, that's what set me off on um, just my love of not obscure perfumes, but like really like high quality, mm -hmm. like high quality perfume. So I'm wearing um, Baccarat Rouge. I think Ooh. the one that ran now, and it's not in my wheelhouse normally because I like tuberose and stuff, but this one is, I mean, it's just, it's as good as people, which often isn't the case. It's as good as people said it was. Dang. And I, I caved in and I was like, well, if Rihanna likes it, I don't, so I would never make that decision normally. But And then I wore it. And the first night I wore it, some guy came up to me and said, oh, my God, you smell amazing. I'm like, huh? And he's like, I need to buy it for my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, okay, right. Well, you're you know, like, uh, so you're like, you person. can't get it. It's sold out. And I got the last yeah. bottle. <laughs> no, I gave him. I was like, you know what? I'm going to show you, you online nice. the picture. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. That, I, that was nice of you. Um, if you could name one lipstick after a book, what would you call it and what shade would it be? Yeah, I would 100%. Um, my friend Bethany Cliff wrote a book called Last One at the Party. So I would call Love. lipstick Last One at the Party. And this book is, it's, it's out in the States, but it's about a woman who is potentially the last human survivor of a pandemic. It was written before COVID, but it came out during COVID time. So it, um, I cannot recommend it enough, especially if people are sort of, uh, sort of not actively living the trauma of a real life pandemic. But also, it's like really funny. Oh, Bethany Cliff, last one at the party. I would call my lipstick after that for, for many reasons. Uh, and I think it would be like flamingo pink, uh, but like I... the bright flamingo pink. Last one at the party. Love that. Anyway, on your wine glass, you know, when you leave the lipstick on the, yes. on the wine glass, like super glossy. Super <laughs> pink. I mean, I love that. Um, okay, last question. Best advice you've ever received? Best advice had nothing to do with writing, but it's certainly um, been something that I've had to really apply to my experiences um, to bring a book out during a pandemic, um, which is uh, don't miss something good just because it doesn't look the way you thought it would. 
And so a good friend when we were like in our early 20s and I was having some some problems with a with a, a boyfriend and you know I think he was really trying and I just wasn't it didn't look like I I, I thought it would and my mm-hmm. a really good girlfriend was just like don't don't miss something good because it doesn't look the way you thought it would and so I really had to apply that to obviously it's coming out later in in the states but before you know my name came out in the middle of of you know it's in may 2021 um in australia and new zealand and the uk and i couldn't i couldn't leave i could barely leave my house let alone the country i wasn't at all what i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. and i would always hear kate's um dear kate's advice about um it's still good like it just doesn't look like you thought it would and that's okay so that's my that's the piece of advice given to me personally uh and then the, the Maya Angelou um when someone shows you who they are believe them they know themselves better than you do is my that's for everyone especially true crime like people people who love true crime when someone shows you who they are believe them you really don't need any other advice than that yeah Oh, those are two really – I love both of those. Those are really great. Um, Well, this has been so fun, and I can't wait for this book to come out over here. So we're, like, less than a week away over here, and I feel like it's just – it it just offers so much to so many people. So I hope that everyone gets their fingertips on it and gets a chance to read it because it was just – it was just so great. So I'm so glad Thank we got to so chat much. about it. Me too. I'm so glad I got all these fun backstories. <laughs> um, girl can talk. Yep. Yes, <laughs> my, yes. my dad would be like, the girl can talk. Uh, thank you so I, much. Yes. And I, Johnny B would be so proud. You said that Aww. he was such a great storyteller. He was. This was a great story. I feel like, you know. If anything, oh, you can just you. celebrate that for him. So I I, I hope you come back for the next book because it sounds fab. And I'll I definitely, I can't wait to read it. And where can people follow you on Instagram? So I am right rock. I'm W-R-I-T-E. My friends call me rock. So it's right rock. I think right rock 11 uh, on Insta and right rock on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got Jack. And then if you can't remember that, JacquelineBublets.com, then it will have links to my social media. And that, yep, it has all your stuff on there. So thank you so much. Have safe thank travels you. when you travel. And um, everybody grab this book on November 1st. And thank you so much for tuning in.